0: hey guys welcome back to another weird wednesday i'm ashers and this is pat O. and also
1: lyle blackburn
0: oh my gosh lyle blackburn you know i told jeremiah byron this week that i was having you on my show and he squeed with 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 glee i mean he was so excited <laughs> he just couldn't contain himself so super exciting to have you on um i can't wait to get weird with you let's uh i,
2: mean, I love it when people squee about me i guess
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was very excited he was like lyle's the coolest guy ever and i was like and then we talked about how cool you were so <laughs> he,
1: he almost dropped the cattle prod that he was using on a terrorist balls when he was in the military oh Asia. my god <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've, I've heard
2: that before yeah yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well um Anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about who Lyle is if people don't know um, here shortly. Anyway, I said last week, and I'm going to say it again, um, clown sightings. Clown sightings are back. They are our new Nessie sightings. There was another clown sighting this week in, uh, over in, in Britain. So two teenagers were walking down a beach and some clown was allegedly stalking them. And then one of the teenagers, angry, angry his angry mother, went and decided to take it up with the internet and posted about it online um clowns are like the new you know you see those posts going around that are like oh there's a sex trafficker at, at walmart or whatever that's like the new it's <laughs> like what it is now um they're coming back again and uh apparently coming back with a vengeance
1: um, they're on like a like a i, I almost i want to do the math but i feel like it's like a five-year rotation or something where the clown sightings happen you know what i mean
0: there is a pattern to it i mean lauren coleman's written about it before a couple times actually has written about it um how there is a pattern to these sightings and they kind of make a resurgence um so i mean it, are the clown sightings you know what is it hysteria is it just people making shit up i mean nowadays with social media it's so easy to just get online and be like oh i saw this thing that nobody else saw but i saw it you know um but these have been going around for a very long time they predated social media so i you know i don't know what do you think about these clown sightings?
2: Actually, uh, you know it's intriguing just because they're they're different. You know, there's always sort of the ubiquitous Bigfoot and Dogman and stuff. So when a clown sighting comes up, it's like, wow, what is that? Actually, I investigated uh, a, a rash of clown sightings right like a quarter mile from where I live in Texas. I live between Dallas and Fort Worth, and I had mm-hmm. seen on our little neighborhood social media thing that some some ladies like that's twice we've seen this creepy clown in this this kind of wooded area near this park and uh you know in the span of two or three weeks there were several reports of people seeing clowns so you know I actually went up well it was easy I just walked over there and staked out the area and me and my daughter Lila she's She's kind of small, but, you know, she's kind of interested in this stuff. So we were, like, looking for the clown. We'd hang out till almost dark, but we never had a sighting. But I was certain that the lady wasn't making it up.
0: Wow. What What do you think you would – I mean, how – you know, when you, when you talk about encountering a Bigfoot or something, it's definitely different than encountering a clown. I mean, how do you think you would have reacted had you seen a clown?
1: Uh,
2: probably a mix of just, I don't know, curiosity and – and wariness because you know we're, we're dealing with a person and people right. are are scarier to me than you know anything <laughs> in the woods or whatever maybe not more than extraterrestrial but save yeah. for that uh you know because obviously i could chase down this clown it's going to be a person it's somebody dressed up but i mean you know is this just some kid playing a joker is it like john wayne gacy you know it's (laughs) there's a whole range of clown activity that i i may in the moment not pursue the clown
1: it's a person but it's a clearly unhinged person and as we've learned throughout history people can be dangerous
0: Uh, people absolutely can be dangerous (laughs) you know what i mean so uh People, yeah, yeah, they're often dangerous. um it's,
1: so. it's somebody that chose to dress up like a clown and then wander around in the middle of the night, and there's, there's a lot to unpack there. You know,
0: right? I mean, you know, I think
2: in probably most cases, especially today with the internet and and everything, you know, it's it's something that you can easily scare people and then try to watch if people post about it. You know, yeah. and get a dick out of right. it. So I mean, it seems like internet or maybe you know, somebody trying to post on YouTube, if somebody else's video in it, that that's probably some of the motivation, but, but really, and like you say, you can never be sure. And, and this isn't, this isn't just a phenomenon of today. I mean, Lauren Coleman has talked about this in years past, and there was mm-hmm. all those, I think this rash of sightings near Chicago and all that uh, years ago. So scary
0: yeah we uh the, the report we had about it last week was about um a lady who had called to report that a clown had broken into her home and would didn't talk to her but held up a sign saying that you know he was there to rob her she just needed to cooperate and he didn't actually take anything he then he just left um so if it is a prank it seems like that prank is definitely ramping up to dangerous levels and i mean um you know I, britain's a little bit different um it seems that most of the sightings recently have been happening over there Um, you know, I think in, in the U S it's a bit more difficult because like, well, people will shoot you. I mean, (laughs) that's that. Um, not that we haven't had our own, you know, our, our own clown sightings here we have, but I think it's just more popular over there. Um, you know, because it's a little easier prank to pull off and it's relatively harmless as long as you're not hurting anybody. So you know I, I think that's that's a good one but yeah more clown sightings we'll continue to report them as they come no nessie sightings for a while but lots of clowns so there's that um there's also a woman who claims to have filmed a tasmanian tiger in australia in an australian park um recently and uh, you know it it's hard to say what it is because of course you get the classic grainy footage from very far away um it's hard to make out the details on it, but um, a lot of people are saying that it's it's just a mangy fox, um, which, you know, mangy foxes exist. They are out there. Um, I don't know. I want to believe that that's what this is that she caught on film. Uh, the last time we had a Tasmanian tiger cut was, came from a TikToker, and it was in the middle of the neighborhood, and it was relatively small, but, I mean, it that's what it looked like. Um, you know, with this one, it is out in the wild somewhere, and it's just, I mean it it could be literally anything um pat have you seen this footage
1: uh absolutely not
0: yeah i probably should have sent it to you
1: <laughs> oh, <well. I'm>
0: sorry <laughs> lyle have you seen this video
2: i have not but, okay uh, you know i've seen those sort of you know various ones that come up uh thylacine videos every once in a while and you know i of course the sort of the tragic circumstances of what happened to that uh, animal, we all want it to still exist, and we're very hopeful that one of, that these sightings are actually, uh, you know, legitimate, and that is Tasmanian tiger, but, uh, you right. know, it's just the usual problem of it seems like anytime there's a mysterious creature on camera, it's too grainy and blurry to tell.
0: Yeah I well right and I agree with that it's just inconclusive there's not enough to to go off of with it it's like I said too far away too grainy um you know again the romantic in me wants to believe that that's what it is um but I I'm not gonna I wasn't there you know I'm I'm in Ohio uh not Australia so I I don't know (laughs) I wish I wish I knew um you know, but it is one of those creatures that I, I think that, you know, I, I feel like there is some good evidence that there could be a population out there. And so, yeah, I want to believe that that's what she caught. Um, and that's that's that. And then I also have been in correspondence with a woman. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, but somebody had sent me a, of course, somebody's Facebook post where this woman locally to Ohio had said that a hiker just a couple of days ago allegedly, found a Bigfoot body in Salt Fork State Park. And that the body has been now acquired and taken somewhere else. But it's weird because she seems to be the only person reporting on it. Um, So I don't have much hope (laughs) that that anything's really going to come out of that. I mean, surely if we did find uh, a Sasquatch corpse out here, the grass man, um, more people would know about it besides this lone woman. Um, But I, I have seen it. People have sent it to me and I, and I have reached out to her and we are trying to, um, trying to talk to her and figure out where this report came from. She's trying to tell me it came from a news article, but it's odd because she hasn't, she won't send me the link. And I don't know if it's just because she's older and doesn't know how it works or if it's because it doesn't <laughs> exist, you know? So
1: have you seen that story that's making the rounds about uh, like a, a tag team that went into the woods in Ohio to kill a family of Bigfoots, no. Bigfeet's?
0: Big, big, big foots or big feets. Yeah.
1: No, no, no. It's someone posted on Instagram. I've seen it in a couple places, but supposedly there was uh, it was like a a military unit that was dispatched to go in and they killed a bunch of these things. Maybe that's what the lady's talking about. I don't know. Um, Yeah. I want to say who's the um, the Mothman 46 guy.
0: Oh, yeah. Roger.
1: Yeah. I want to say he posted that on his Instagram. Huh yeah and it so i wonder if that's if that's what the story is uh yeah u.s army sent commandos to murder bigfoot family for uh for tests and it was in ohio that's weird i and don't
0: personally subscribe to that idea but
1: i don't know and they took them back to right pat yeah so they
0: I, to, yeah they want to figure out their cloaking and how it works um you know, I don't know, uh, Lyle. Any thoughts on the on the Bigfoot body?
2: <laughs> well, I did see that uh, you know post about the woman finding it. You know, of course, Salt Fork State Park is a place where there's a long history of Bigfoot oh, sightings, yeah, and I've been there several times in conjunction with the the conference there. And you know, it's it's a great area, and I guess if any place is likely to come up with a with a body that would be one of them, but you know, it's the usual thing with anytime there's a body, it's sort of just vague secondhand information or, you know, then it's been confiscated or, you know, it's always this same chain of events that keeps us from verifying it or actually seeing it or anything like that. So I just, I see that stuff. I just kind of stand back and if it's something that's legit, eventually, there
0: would be real news about it right i feel like i I, personally i feel like i I have some type of responsibility because i live here (laughs) you know but and and if anybody should be out there probably i should be one of those people that's right there um oh
1: geez by that rationale i should be all over the o'hare Port mothman shit i'm not going anywhere near that you
0: should but that's your fault (laughs) um i mean i would if i could but you know i'm not there no um You know, so I, I feel I feel like I I need to do my due diligence and, you know, just make sure that I question the person. Who knows? Maybe she's on to something.
1: Talk um, to you. talk to the guy at the laundromat that works at Rite that you get all your info from.
0: I don't talk a guy. On here, no.
1: <laughs> whoever your insider is. Got a couple of them. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> they Dude, they're not
0: gonna know anything. Well, I mean, if it involves the military allegedly, but they they don't I mean what they tell me is that they have absolutely no interest in cryptids at all and it's silly and I believe that. Um you know that's and, and that's and I you know again I just don't I feel like the military would be more interested in finding these th- not the military but the government would be more interested in finding these things because they load a lot of the funding up in like these uh you know, things that they, they use for conservation efforts and things like that. Not that the money doesn't go there at all, but when you look at a bill and when a bill's passed, there's a lot more to it than just like what they originally the point was. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it would benefit them more to prove that something like, like Bigfoot existed um, because they could be like, oh, well, we need to add funding to protect these things. And then they could use that to then pad other projects. But that's just me. Um, you know, I don't know. And as far as this lady goes, again, I'm trying to talk to her. It's just kind of difficult to talk to. Um, I don't have much hope for it, but hey, let's see what happens. Maybe there's a Bigfoot body that somebody has is in possession of right now. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and if you're <laughs> listening more, to this show,
2: you never know. Oh, I'm sorry, you, about- if you're local, then I get you know definitely follow up because that's it's like the clown sighting. I was like, hey, how can I pass it? I don't normally investigate clown sightings, but it's something that you can look into. So yeah, you know, definitely. And if uh, you know if it comes to be true, then uh, obviously. You will be uh celebrated for your investigative skills,
0: a piece of that exactly. I want a piece of that pie. <laughs> right. um, bite off a piece of that for myself no uh, I mean, yeah, I, you know of course, if it's local and I can get to it i'll I'll entertain it. I operate on a one percent possibility. If there's a one percent chance i'm I'm there I'm trying <laughs> you know, but we'll see. we'll see what happens. um That's really all I had to report this week. Pato, did you have any news?
1: no. Don't you guys have a new show so, out this
0: week on your Y2K movies?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, the episode, uh, we record a bunch of new stuff. Um, Prey, the uh, the Predator sequel, is dropping. Uh, will be released by the time this episode comes out. And then um, the next batch we did, we just did uh, Glorious, which was a Shutter original that was pretty good. Um, Shaun of the Dead. We're going to do like an Edgar Wright. Thing for the next couple months, where we where we do one Edgar Wright movie a month, and then um, we also did the Empty Man, which was a movie that I was not familiar with that was actually really awesome. Um, and then forget what the other one was; I don't know. Be surprised. Listen to the show, you'll be surprised. <laughs> and um, that was that It, it kind of ties into my weekend. Like, what did I do this weekend? I watched movies. I we did that podcast. Uh, I got a, I'm got starting up my monthly Dungeons & Dragons game up at Rock Island Public House with a friend of the show, Mike Vanderbilt. And uh, we're doing Spelljammer, which is like D&D in space. It's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy with pirates and shit. That starts next weekend. So just been writing for that, you know.
0: Being a regular guy?
1: Yeah, I got a lot of stuff coming up. So I'm just kind of like calm before the storm. Sure. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well. That is the news this week. Lyle, why don't you tell everybody who doesn't know who you are?
2: Well, I'm glad you ask. I'm Lyle Blackburn. I'm a author and musician and cryptid researcher from Texas, and I've written such books as The Beast of Boggy Creek and Sinister Swamps. Um, and I've been interested in the subject of cryptids all my life. And as an adult, I spent most of my uh, adult life as a musician, but also did writing on the side for various magazines. And therein eventually wrote a book about my favorite subject, The Legend of Boggy Creek Bigfoot Case um, of the 1970s in which a movie was made. And once that book came out, uh, that sort of launched me into more of a serious pursuit of researching these cases and, and writing about them and I've published, let's see, seven books to date and been a part of a lot of uh, small town monsters, uh, documentaries as the narrator and sometimes in those films and, uh, you know, a lot of research over the years in various states, uh, researching various cryptids.
0: So, did you, uh, so, okay, why the Beast of Boggy Creek? I mean, I know that you talk a lot, and you said it, you know, even just a couple minutes ago in this episode, I know you talk a lot about doing things locally, and, and you mentioned that that you live in Texas, what caught your eye about that creature in particular?
2: Well, it was one that, when, when I was, you know, a little kid, I mean, I, I was, from as far back as I can remember, I loved horror movies and monsters, you know, Frankenstein, whatever, And probably around third grade, I got a book that featured stories about Bigfoot, Yeti, Loch Ness Monster. And that was the first time I realized, wow, there's things out there that are monstrous that people, that may exist, people see in real life. So I really thought that was cool. And uh, I was not aware at the time that there were Bigfoot sightings anywhere but the Pacific Northwest. And that seemed like a long way away. Uh, I grew up hunting with my father and we bow hunted in various parts of Texas. We spent a lot of time camping. We camped in Arkansas. And one time uh, when I was young, my parents took me to the drive-in and there was a movie called The Legend of Boggy Creek, which originally was released in 1972, but played for many years in the theater and drive-in circuit. And the movie dramatized sightings of a kind of dangerous and aggressive Sasquatch creature in southern Arkansas near the small town of Falk. And that really did it for me because it was like a monster movie meets cryptid, and it was uh, in Falk, which is about a little over three hours from where I live in Texas. So, you know, that kind of just captured my imagination and inspired me to research more about those sort of things and realize that they're not as far away as I had thought. And then, like I said, I'd spent years kind of writing and doing some professional writing and eventually wanted to write a book. And I thought, man, I'd love to research, you know, the legend of Boggy Creek story, how the movie was made, the history of the actual sightings of the creature that the movie was based on. And I thought it's great because it's only three hours away. I can actually, you know, go there and interview sure. you know, people and look at the area and I was really quite surprised that a book hadn't been written on it because I thus discovered that you half the people at any Bigfoot conference just love that movie. So, you know, the popularity still and the influence of The Legend of Boggy Creek on today's Bigfoot research is just huge. And so I, I kind of picked the best, a really good subject to enter this field with. And that's ever since been kind of my you know, my home ground, I continue to log sightings and interview anybody who has sightings there and go there frequently just because I like the area.
0: Sure. Do you feel like it has become um, not, well, th- the subject itself is pretty relevant. A lot of people are, are familiar with, with the Falk Monster. We talked about it. We did an episode um, for the Patreon about Arkansas and of course we talked about it. Um, but do you feel like as far as sightings and experiences, do you feel like those have dwindled And they're not really relevant anymore. Are you still getting a lot of reports about this creature?
2: Well, I I think they're certainly relevant, and you know, I I wouldn't say I get a lot of reports, but I do get reports on a fairly consistent basis, and a number of them each year that I you know look into or interview the person uh, you know in person, and find that there are still some very credible sightings, and you know, this is. You know, if you look at it as a Bigfoot case on the whole, I mean, there's there's also sightings. If you span out from that little little area of Southwest Arkansas, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. miles from Louisiana. It's miles from only a few miles from Texas, and all of that area is is full of Bigfoot sightings all the time. So it's it's not just relevant to Faub, but just that whole Southern Bigfoot type thing. And and so I, I've, you know, of course having written The Beast of Boggy Creek, then I kind of felt it was my duty to kind of keep up and it can, you know, keep up with the continuing story of this. And, you know, I've published additional books and information and have a website about it because a lot of times I see somebody commenting, Oh yeah, I saw that movie. Are there, are there, has there been any more sightings? You know, they're unaware that there's been hundreds of continuing sightings. I feel like that's relevant just in terms of Bigfoot research, if not, kind of keeping the story alive because it is still alive
0: sure yeah and i i I can relate to that i understand um you know let's talk about the, the three toes on this thing what, what's the deal with the three toes on, on this creature you think i mean are are is there a possible hominid walking around that's just three toed or some people you know, wonder if it's a, theorize if it it was an injury and maybe it was just that one, or if these things have um, evolved or genetic mutations, or what do you think about that?
2: Well, I mean, that certainly is kind of problematic because, you know, any, uh, you know, humanoid, hominid, hominoid, you know, has, primates have five toes and that's only natural. I mean, if something, especially it walks upright, you know, a seven foot stature that weighs you know three to five hundred pounds you need all five toes for balance three toes kind of doesn't make sense um so that's always been a problem but most people don't realize that the tracks found there and featured in the trackway featured in the movie is a three-toed trackway but there's been other tracks found that have four and five toes so it's not just consistently a three-toed you know, track that any tracks that have been found. Um, you know, I, I personally kind of feel like that it's possible that, that that there was some hoaxing involved to try to add to the story or something, and maybe that's where the three-toed thing hmm. came from. Or it, again, there's a whole host of possibilities, like you mentioned, genetic deformation, uh, deformities, uh, you know, mutations, injuries. You know, yeah. something like that to, to explain why this individual has three toes, but it doesn't seem like biologically, it doesn't make sense for the locomotion. Um, so, you know, again, sort of goes back to always that without a, a body or a specimen, it's really hard to tell. It can only conjecture that. Um,
0: yeah. Definitely. What I find interesting about the three toes is that Momo right there on the other, on a border state, Mississippi also has three toes sometimes. Um, And so if it is a, if if it were, if it were to be a genetic mutation of some sort, then that would kind of track, right? You kind of got this area where these things are obviously breeding to continue. And then some of them are ending, ending up with this deformity.
2: Certainly. And I mean, you know, I investigated the Momo case because I wrote a book on it. So, you know, I did notice those similarities and the time frame in which Momo um, was going on was at the literally the same time period as the Falcon monster in the early seventies. And yeah, they, they correspond a lot with the sort of hairy, scary creature and then this whole three toed thing. So um, that again, kind of supports that maybe, you know, there is a, population of these creatures that that does have three toes or or that there's obviously going to be a small population that perhaps inbreeding has caused this deformity this sort of carried on so that that's a definite possibility
0: yeah i think it's i mean it's kind of silly because it's like the three toes you know you see that as somebody that's scientifically minded and you go oh bullshit this thing doesn't have three toes but then you see those three toes correlate to each other in different areas but very you know similar enough to where again a population could could be and, and that's the way i think about it anyway um pat do you got any comments on three toes or or the boggy creek uh incident or
1: no i'm letting you guys do your thing until we can start talking about his music
0: <laughs> fair, enough, fair but enough as you were <laughs> well you know that's i mean hey you know that's a good segue into it um so your music you know when when you when you Google Lyle Blackburn, you know obviously I feel like um, because we're we have this one community, you know that's how a lot of people listen to the show they're gonna know you for that. But a lot of people have mentioned like to me specifically they started finding out who you were through your music. Um, so you know your music as far as being I'm not gonna say published, but it seems like you have a more you have a more media footprint with the music. So obviously you've been doing that for a long time. Um, you know what? What got you into that? Just common interest, and you decided to kind of run with it. And
1: what was the first song you learned to play on guitar? Ooh, there you go. I, I know what I'm doing here. This is my. Oh, okay. Release. Go ahead. Pat.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, i I started playing music when I was in junior high. If you don't count sort of the piano lessons, which I didn't want, I wanted guitar, drums, or something. But uh, I started playing in a band in seventh grade. Um, playing drums, and eventually learned bass and guitar. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I'd already been on actual, well, back then there was vinyl. It wasn't CDs or anything else. I was on a vinyl record with, with a punk band I was in. I played in a lot of early hardcore punk bands. And um, I think the, when I first got a guitar, I remember trying to play Crazy Train because the guitarist <laughs> i played drums at the time but i got a guitar and then the guitarist for our band was i don't know, playing crazy train i was like show me that you know and uh, i think that was the first thing i tried to actually play and uh, so you know i i my pursuit in life was to be a professional musician and i was early 20s i was signed uh, with a band called solitude to turn us we were signed a roadrunner records and we toured mm. and did a lot of touring all over europe and canada and the u.s and you know i spent a lot of time doing all that and then i formed my band i still have called ghoul town i formed that in 1998 and did that on my own record label which became fortuitous because indie the indie thing got big and so then i owned all the material um and i've you know i mean that's technically that's how i've made a living is the music and that's probably why i have a big footprint in that is because i don't really you know the book writing and all that is, is good and everything but it doesn't make a living it's the music
1: i saw that you were a bass player and uh, i played bass too um, i still play bass but i I wonder, are you? Were you the type of bass player that legitimately wanted to play bass, or were you a bass player because you knew too many guitar players?
2: <laughs> no, I, I actually wanted to play bass because um, you know I'd been a drummer, but th- and that that just became because my parents would not buy me a guitar or a bass, and so I tricked him by saying, oh, "Well, I can go out for marching band," and I got on drums. <laughs> <see>. <laughs> And my grandmother bought me a drum set, which they didn't like. But then that led me to join a punk band. Mm-hmm. So I, it was successful to get me in a band. But I really wanted to be more forward and on up front on the stage, and I I like just I like bass. And so so I actually joined that first band, Solitude Eternus, as the drummer. And then the bass player quit, and I said I want that position. And find another drummer. So then I moved to bass. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I, I now play with my fingers and stuff. I wasn't just trying, you know, picking like a guitar. I mean, I like trying to learn the art of bass.
1: Uh, I hate bass players that use their fingers. <laughs> 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 that that whole scene. When uh, so yeah, I mean, you've toured with a lot of these acts. Um, what's your favorite place to play in Chicago?
2: Uh Chicago. We played at the Vic Theater. Once, oh, Okay. Twice. Yeah. It was a huge, really cool place. I remember that. Um Yeah, that that's that's been the favorite my favorite place I've ever played in Chicago. And, you know, played at other smaller places. I I remember one that was downstairs. I remember it sucked. Cause we had to load all our equipment down these narrow stairways. I can't remember the name of the club. Yeah, I was like, dude, I don't want to like clubs of
1: stairs but
2: uh yeah i do remember the vic theater was super cool
1: subterranean is a is a famous place well not famous place but it's one of the like smaller to mid-sized places here but it's it's upstairs which sucks when you're loading in because you got to carry all your stuff upstairs but it's straight up dangerous when you're trying to load all your shit out at the end of the night because you got to go down those stairs and it's really easy to take a header (laughs)
2: especially when you're drunk you know right exactly with <laughs> tequila on stage like the loadout should not be dangerous <laughs> do, you,
1: do you have any uh harrowing tour stories or you know that's that's always my like now that we do like these paranormal events with uh with the podcast like we did one the last one i did was withville and uh the withville ufo fest which is 10 hours from chicago and for me to jump in a car and go that drive that much um I think I don't I think part of the reason I love it so much is because I was used to doing that with my band in my 20s It's just getting in a car with your friends and going somewhere and rolling up and not knowing anyone and and doing a show and meeting people and and that whole thing and partying in the parking lot afterwards and uh doing these like paranormal conventions is kind of like me getting to do that all over again um You know, I'm sure you guys spent extensive time on the road between the acts that you were in, you know, do you have any stories or good memories or. Oh yeah. for me, there's there's just numerous. I could write a whole book. I mean, I was, I remember
2: a driver drove into the site of a hotel once in Long Island and basically, a the fascia board, a two by four speared the whole entire, um, we were in an RV the equipment was in a like a semi or whatever but we the band itself traveled in an RV and basically skewered the RV right on the side of a hotel because he didn't realize that the I don't know he underestimated the height or whatever so uh, nearly nearly just shish our singer and uh let's see I was almost stabbed by a witch in France one time while we were trapped in Paris because the authorities claimed that our bu- Austrian bus driver did not have the proper licenses to drive this tour bus, which was a huge tour bus company. So they put a boot thing on the on the bus and we were trapped. And then at the gig, some girl that had written us some letters came out and then I guess she got drunk and then she was covered in blood and she was trying to get me and So I had to run.
1: Trying to get you. Like, Like, Yeah,
2: I was said turned because I kind of just blew her off because she was weird and I guess she was (laughs) mad about it. So, and you want to talk about a bad load in, the streets there in downtown Paris were so narrow that the bus couldn't even get down to the club. So, So we had to roll the equipment like two or three blocks down the sidewalks. And so... I flee there and somehow hook up with this other girl who let me stay at her apartment. So I escaped the bloody witch. And then the next morning I come back and that's when I find the boot on the van. and the guys are like,
1: where have you been?
2: We've been trapped here, you know, in this smug infested street. I'm like, I don't know. I was just at this French girl's apartment <laughs> but I did almost get stabbed,
0: you know, <laughs> <laughs> by witch. at that. Wow. That's, I, yeah. I feel, I feel like if you were going to come on and tell any story, that was the one. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: yeah. I would think like, yeah, like traveling around to different locations and meeting all these different people and driving in the middle of the night. Like, was, was there anything from all those years spent on the road that kind of fueled your interest in the paranormal? was there any kind of crossover i mean especially with ghoul i mean Ghoultown town obviously is like a is a horror themed band you know so you're going to attract those kind of crowds and have that kind of vibe but like was there anything else that kind of you know uh helped your love of the paranormal grow uh, it's
2: somewhat the traveling um you know wood and You know, sometimes I would know that we were near a place where something happened or, you know, especially in Europe, you know, we would be on those buses and that we would sleep and they would drive overnight. I'd get up and I'd go, hey, what country are we in? You know, and he'd say, oh, Switzerland or whatever. But we would pass by these very... Old world forests and stuff, where I just looked at them, I'm like, dude, there's got to be werewolves in there, and you know, <laughs> just it just looked like something out of a werewolf movie, and you know, that always kind of just traveling around, just and it, and the exposure to people and talking and stories and stuff, yeah. not not just about you know rock and roll, but just other stuff, and you'd always get weird things or weird conversations so all that kind of helped form my you know just general investigative and and inspiration to look into these things and um, you know while the bands themselves never crossed over like I don't write songs about Bigfoot people suggest that but it doesn't fit but I would just right. sit in the tour bus and read a lot it gave me all those hours I'd be sitting there reading like bigfoot books and the guys are like what are you reading (laughs) Um, and so I had all that time to read which was kind of my basis sort of my I guess the paranormal education part of it before I started then writing my own books you know
1: right yeah I mean that's got a the two dovetailing each other nicely yeah I would think I would think the the band would be kind of a magnet for people with stories and weirdos and it keeps that that culture going um, I right. you know
2: and that's where the black hat came from you know people always ask me about the hat or uh, you know whatever it's like well the hat came from Ghoul town and it was you know I bought that in Mexico far before I was wearing it at on TV shows or at conferences or whatever so hmm. it, it in some ways kind of formed a unique image for me that you know, it's had some benefit. I guess I stand out. And even though a lot of people, uh, or not a lot of people, but some people will have say the hat sucks or whatever they say, but it's like, dude, that's just me.
1: So, no, I I got to say out of all the people in the paranormal community that have iconic hats, yours is probably, it fits the most. I think. I, yeah, I, don't, I was yeah. going to
0: ask, are you pissed that, that people, um, have stolen the hat and, uh,
1: you <laughs> no, do the hat I mean, the you know, best, though. I don't think. that's... I agree. You're yeah. the original
0: Hatter. I feel like, but uh, you know, now it's a thing. Now it's a it's a thing. So are you like, hey, that's my hat idea, or are you just like, cool, people? You know, um, you know, mimicry is a is a great form of flattery.
2: Yeah. No, I never. I. It's totally cool. I never think like that. Like, oh, I did this or sure. You no know, contest. I'm like, you know, I'm known for that, and I know that people identify. I mean, if I sometimes I'd early on, I'd wear just like a baseball hat with Bigfoot on or something, and people go, where's your hat? So then I just thought, I'm just going to wear it every time. It's just, (laughs) it's just so associated. And I mean, you know, my, my, my cryptid brother, uh, Ken Gerhardt from Texas, you know, he wears a black hat and there's always this sort of fun little thing who had the hat first and all this stuff. And he was also a singer in a band and we can, we have pictures of ourselves back as far as like three years old wearing cowboy hats. So no one can decide. We, we just thought we were born with them and it's fun, you know. And so yeah, I don't care what people wear or if they imitate it. Totally cool. You
0: know? Yeah. What of you did the, uh, I think it was Ken that did it. When you did the 10 year challenge on social media and shared a picture of of you and Ken. <laughs> and that was like yeah. the joke you know so you guys play it really well
2: yeah that was kid i thought that was hilarious and that's the cool thing because he was you know he was a cryptozoologist i guess before i was so you know he could have been sort of like hey who's this guy but he he and i don't have egos like that and we immediately thought this was cool we're like brothers and then we realized that even if people can't tell us apart it was great because we're basically in two places at all times because they go, Hey man, I see you on TV. I love the hat. You're not really sure which one they're talking about, but it's (laughs) cool because they remember, you know,
0: That's hilarious. You guys like live, you're like neighbors or something, right? I mean, you live really close to each other.
2: Well, we do both live in Texas, but uh, and somewhat neighbors but he's 5 hours away south oh, of san antonio wow. <laughs> so that's still neighborly in texas because you know sure. you can drive what 10 12 hours across the state but <laughs> yeah we're we're kind of we're kind of a, a distance
0: I, I can so i mean yeah i we can definitely see where people <laughs> might get the two people that is hilarious do people have has have, have you had like an instance where somebody's come up to you and started talking about a production that you've been in but you knew it was Ken and not you
2: Yeah, a few times people will say, "Oh man, they, I loved you on that one episode of Monster Quest." Now Ken was on Monster Quest. You know, I was on Monsters and Mysteries in America or something and <laughs> and vice versa. They'll they'll say, "Oh, you were on that Monsters and Mysteries in America." We just learned to say, "Yeah, cool, man. Thanks." You know, because cool. yeah you know, that their intentions are right in it. They're just talking about the episode. And, you know, the funniest one was Ken was at um, the San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con several years ago when he was doing that show Missing in Alaska. And someone came up to him and said, dude, that's amazing. Are you doing cosplay of Lyle Blackburn (laughs) from Girl Town? (laughs) And Ken was like, what? You know, but then hes so he just laughed it off, you know, and you know he immediately messaged me somebody asked me if I was cosplaying to you, so we just have a great we just get a huge kick out of all this.
0: I love that no that's that's all you have a you have a cryptozoological doppelganger,
2: right I mean <laughs> I think know. it's great
0: yeah, that's awesome, well, um, going back to um you know now you're like the boggy creek person right that's that's kind of the thing do you are are you sad about that at all is there anything else that you wish that people would recognize that you've done that you feel like doesn't really I mean I mean let's be honest people know a lot of what you do but is there any like one thing that you wish that had more focus or people would like well like I said recognize that that you put more work into
2: uh well, sometimes just in general, that comes up, and um, I guess people don't realize I, I've been part of the small town monsters movies or narrated eight movies. They'll just talk about, yeah, you you were in, you know, that was cool. You you narrated Beast of Bo- or the uh, Boggy Creek Monster or whatever. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. but also seven other you know ones, and we did the Mothman, and we, you know, they they kind of tend to focus on one instead of, I feel like all of it, or, um, you know, when people, people will suggest that I, man, you really need to write a book on the lizard man or you need to write a book on honey islands. I'm like, dude, I have, You (laughs) you know, stuff like that, where it's like, they don't, they, they're, they're suggesting what you should do without knowing your body of work.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I
2: think if you're a fan of, a fan of someone, you kind of need to, you know, be familiar with their body of work before you start suggesting, you know, you don't want to go up to Glenn Danzig and say, well, you know, you ought to do this album of just instrumental kind of um, booty stuff. It's like, you know, and he's like going to hit you and then say, I did. It's called Black Aria.
1: Black Aria, one and two.
2: You know, that sort of a thing. It's like... Um, you know I'm flattered that people want me to write about stuff but it's those times when you're like well you know worked really hard to to write the book on the lizard man and you're suggesting I should cover write about it well you know I did and it took me a long (laughs) time and I had a lot of expense to do it you know (laughs) it's just minor there's really nothing where you know I'm I feel like I haven't gotten, you know, the praise or somebody has shorted me on anything. I mean, it's totally all great. I mean, so.
0: Sure. Yeah, I can relate to that. We get that a lot on the podcast. Um, Oh, you guys should talk about this. Well, and thankfully, most of it's just on social media. So then I can be like, oh, we did. Here's the episode. Everybody go listen to it again. Um, (laughs) You know, just turn turn it around and make it a marketing move, you know, (laughs) and so. Um, but it it you know for a second you're like really so you you haven't listened to all 124 episodes how dare you <laughs> so I uh I understand I understand that um how long does it take you to write one of these books
2: well it, it could you know if I just focused on a book and that's all I did every day probably six months um but you know Some of these have been years in the making. I mean, Mm -hmm. my Sinister Swamps book, I had been collecting stories of cryptids and unexplained phenomenon just in swampy areas for years. I mean, 10 years just sort of putting stuff into a file, you know, okay, yeah, that would falls under this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's hard to really quantify exactly how long it takes. but, But yeah, it's... And, and this is, these are, the way I write these, I mean, they're very well annotated. The sources are very well defined. They're mm-hmm. as accurate as I can possibly be. I interview as many first person people as possible and dig up old newspapers and try to get the facts as close to correct as I can because the internet is full of errors. If you, yeah if you just Wikipedia something and try to write a book, it's you're not going to be very accurate because it's errors, compounding errors. And sure. You know, and it all traces back to Lauren Coleman anyway. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> sure. uh, but,
2: uh, but you know, so it, it's, it's a very methodical and time consuming thing to write a book and uh, you know, yeah, it could take six months or a year. Just working on it.
0: Do you often have um, multiple books at once that you're working on?
2: No, I, I never really am writing multiple books. But mm-hmm. you know, I will file away things like, you know, I may get a citing report that either I will follow up on when I get the chance, or I'll follow up on it and then just sort of file it over there. Going one of these days, I'm going to write a book on that. Area, sure that creature or whatever you know and I'll go ahead and field those things as I go um you know but it's typically once I start okay I'm gonna write this book then it's just double barrel straight on that and I just concentrate you know solely on on just writing that one book
0: yeah well you you know you seem to be um uh very similar to myself where you you've taken your interests, right your general um interest in your hobbies and you've turned them into, into a career which i think everybody should do but do you have anything that's just yours that just that you don't intend on making because i because again i get it but when your hobbies are your job it can still become really stressful um so do you take the time out do you make sure you take the time out to have something that's just for you
2: uh, yeah, it's, it, it is very hard because everything, it's, it's all one thing, you know, And people are like right. work too much. I'm like, well, I love doing this and or music and it's never work. I mean, I work all right. the time, but, uh, the one thing that I do that's not, you know, for work is uh, I, I like building monster models like old school assembly kits you know like Aurora models and and there's a lot of resin kits of various mo- from monster movies and stuff and I paint those and I'll build those and that's the one thing I do that's sort of a hobby that I don't some people know about if they've seen my monster collection and some people know but. Uh, sure. Yeah, that's the one thing where it's like an actual hobby that's not a job.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, that's for you. Um do have you ever thought about getting into um the horror industry?
2: Uh well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I love that stuff, you know. I I do a lot okay. of horror conventions either as Lyle Black yeah. or like Cool Town and you know, I mean, I wrote for Rumor Horror magazine for a decade. Yeah. yeah. I'm very much into horror and horror movies and I have a big horror collection of universal monsters and such. Um, but you know, I try to I try to cross over to that audience just in the cryptid thing and I did that in room org. That was my thing, was you know, I'm I know cryptids but I also know movies that feature cryptids and horror mm-hmm. movies that are sort of creature feature. Um, but, you know, I just sort of I don't know. I got so much going on that the horror is the horror, and I'm I just focus mostly on cryptid stuff and music.
1: What's your favorite horror movie of the past ten years?
0: Uh, that's that's a hard do, one.
1: We can do twenty. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> 20 I'll give you twenty. <laughs> uh,
2: they're just so. I don't know. Now, I have a problem with this. I can answer the classics and stuff. But when it comes to anything in the last, especially fifteen years, there is so much stuff. Yeah, there's, you know, I, I started. I got Shutter, and I watch movies all the time, but mm-hmm. sometimes I, I, I can't even remember the names, which sounds terrible. But there's just so much of it, and there's so much on there, and there are good ones like, uh, The Shed and um spring and you know I'm trying to just r- review it in my mind
1: <laughs> yeah those spring guys got a new new movie coming out i like them they had uh I forget what they did before that yeah. um but yeah it's it's two guys um yeah, spring was a good one there's
0: what's cool the last well what's the last uh movie that you saw that you were like wow this is really good that you can you can think of
2: pray i watched yeah that
0: That was good (laughs) that was really good (laughs) yeah i'm better at that part (laughs) i'm like i don't remember um but oh yeah the last one i watched was this um you know so i i i can i can relate better to that question personally so
2: (laughs) right yeah i can usually think of the last one i've seen you know and i've taken some time off you know it comes in ways because i just i've been working on a Texas Bigfoot book since mm-hmm. like February. And then I also have been moving and I literally haven't had any time to just sit down and watch movies. And all that existed right four or five months ago and everything's just been literally Texas Bigfoot or you know trying to sell houses and pack my stuff at night. And yeah, it's just been a whirlwind of craziness this year. So <laughs> unfortunately you know things like watching a horror movie in in my downtime is few and far between
1: sure yeah i had to switch gears i used to read a read a lot where i would go through a book like every two weeks or so and when we started this uh this horror podcast horror movie podcast i had to just stop reading (laughs) which is like terrible that you're like all right i I can either read or watch tv but that's literally the way my life is structured i own so many hours in the day you know what I mean? And if I'm doing one, I, I there's just not time to do both, yeah. you know? Right. We just, don't, even, don't even get me started on video games. That's like, Go I, ahead. people that play video games regularly and are, are way into that stuff. I'm like, what, you know, I almost want to like, look at their schedule. Like, how do you, how do you make this work? You know, <laughs> do you not sleep? Do you ignore your children or whatever like i don't know (laughs) that's
0: terrible well you know you just make time for the things that you're interested in
1: you're smart enough not to have kids in the first place it's like if someone had told me 12 years ago listen you can either have a son or you can have a playstation 5 that you actually use at some point in your life you're not going to get both what's it going to (laughs) be i uh who knows don't say that (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) You could be a present father, or you can, you can have diverse interests. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to find. Uh, I you know I I get it. All I do is work all the time. I understand.
1: Wild um, <laughs> yeah. do wild oh, do you still hunt at all?
2: No, I, I just don't have time to hunt. Uh, we I'd say the last time I actually went hunting, hunting was probably maybe nine or 10 years ago, we did some hot, we were doing some hog hunting. Um, but, you know, it kind of just, it kind of just transitioned more to just, I like, I love the outdoors and exploring and hiking. And it wasn't so much about being there to pursue animals. Um, yeah. I never was a huge, I mean, I wasn't out hunting big game or anything. It was like, if I shot it, I ate it. and It was mostly like Turkey hunting. And
1: little yeah. Fish. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, I'm trying to get into uh, waterfowl hunting this season because I need I need hobbies that I find relaxing, and for some reason, shooting guns is one of them for oh, me. Jesus. No, serious, that's not that's not like a joke. That's like <laughs> there's only so many things I can do to unwind, and shooting is one of them. So, um, yeah, I was I'm I I just got a shotgun a couple weeks ago, and I'm I'm looking to get into waterfowl hunting so that's why i asked when you were hunting the pigs was that like with rifles or was that bow and arrow still
2: no we were using guns uh on that um
1: yeah that's cool because those things are fucking dangerous like it's not like you're hunting a bear where it's i mean there's a there's an element of danger there that you're not getting when you're going after ducks or deer or something you know what i mean the so yeah, uh
2: the, the hogs and, it's, and the population of these hogs down here is just crazy and you know, they, they can be, they're very, they can be big and dangerous. And, you know, I'd say, you know, 12 years ago, say in the sulfur river bottoms around Boggy Creek and stuff, I, I didn't see very much evidence of hogs. There was no hog wallows and no rutting and all this stuff Mm -hmm. digging up the ground. If you, when I go there now, it's just all dug up. I mean, it's just like, there are so many hogs you know, I've merely stepped on some that are just laid up sleeping in the high she grass. Said. Um, yeah. you know, and so, you know, I carry a sidearm for, for that purpose and the alligators I almost stepped on an alligator once, but, Ooh. um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're dangerous. So yeah, there's an, another element and there's, they're plentiful and, they need to be eradic. They really need to be eradicated as much right. as possible because they're so bad for the environment. Um, but yeah, you can't even you couldn't even put a dent in them if you're just going out, even to shoot them.
1: All right, my uh, my wife's dad was a farmer, and I went with him once to like the Indiana, um, wow, well, I don't know whatever the agriculture building where he had to drop some off off some paperwork, and he was in there doing whatever he had to do and I was kind of milling around the waiting room and they had all this literature about like report indiana wild pigs <laughs> and of course I took it <laughs> to show my wife like got to watch out for those indiana pigs oh they're all over the place but yeah it's exactly they're they're actually a detriment to like agriculture and the environment you know um and they they encourage people please go out and fucking kill these things you know and uh wow. i don't i don't know if i'll get to that point cuz that's i mean that's where that's kind of i don't want to bring up ar-15s but like that's what people use for those usually that's like what those guns are kind of there for is because it's something because those things will run at you and you know some of them have tusks and they can bite you and shit like they're actually kind of dangerous and fast dangerous yeah yeah
0: yeah i mean they'll kill you at least with a bear like it's cute before it kills you you know you just got these ugly hogs (laughs)
2: yeah and they stink i mean god and that's the other thing we shoot one they stink it's like i'm more about the bird hunting you know like i said i did a lot of turkey hunting before i just kind of was like you know i'm just going to enjoy the outdoors but yeah yeah yeah, with bird hunting you are going to eat it and it's easy to pick up and clean and all that you're not getting a smelly hog and yeah
1: that's what i'm enjoyable yeah that's why i want to do the bird thing is because like it's it's chill they're hard to miss because you're using bird shot so it's like i mean i'm a decent shot anyway but i i can't imagine fucking that up you know and you're not in any danger and you could bring your dog with you and it just seems like way more like you know that's the kind of the vibe that i want to go for with this like i, I could take up golf but that's not really my scene <laughs> you know what i mean I like
0: can't, i can't imagine you playing golf
1: <laughs> yeah it's not uh and i'd have to the amount that i would have to spend to get cause I'm, you know, i'm six four so like for me to get golf clubs that would fit like my i would need like specialty made clubs i realized that when i try to take up golf in my 20s and for the amount that i would pay for specialized clubs i just get a remington 870 like fuck it you know and you all know?
0: those long khaki pants too i mean now you're talking I, yeah. I i i know i
1: will say this that i would get the the ridiculously loud checkered pants golf pants and i'd much rather buy the clothes for golfing than i would go to like bass pro shop and just get a bunch of camouflage fucking car shit like if i could now somehow i could combine the two and like duck hunt and golf pants like then (laughs) i think i would be at my happiest but uh i i ain't ain't trying to go that route no
0: you can do what you want to do pato i believe in you hey man alice cooper plays golf and he wears the loud checkered pants when he does
2: so you know he's got his yeah that sticks that isn't
1: that his like golf club line or something like
2: he may have yeah he's been into that because i've got a kind of a mutual friend um And he showed me some pictures like way back, you know, so, you know, Alice Cooper's been into golf like forever.
1: Yeah.
0: You got to have something that you separate from work. That's just for you. And for Alice Cooper, that's golf, I guess. Um, (laughs) That's what it is. You know, so you got to have that thing. Um, Lyle, what do you, what do you think about the Woo.
2: Well, you know, I try not to be judgmental or say that I'm right in my opinions or theories. So I I generally will entertain to a certain extent. But to me, some of that is, I feel like, an underestimation of just nature, natural nature itself. Because this whole, well, it it disappears and it blends and it uh, it pops out Mm -hmm. of portals like, dude, go hunting. Uh, you know, we're talking about hunting, you know, there are animals can do amazing things. I mean, you can, you, you know, you, you will see bears and you will see, you know, things like that, but you can walk right past a deer and something and never even see it. And the the colors and the shading and the hair and everything else that, in that makes up a an animal, a creature in the woods, is by design. It's not just to make them look a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. tigers don't just have stripes because it's cool looking in a zoo. They're they're sure. for a purpose to to obscure them. And you know, I've, I've all the times I've been hunting, I've never walked up and seen a cougar or saw a cougar. You know, but they I'm definitely in areas where they are. Seen a few tracks but I didn't see one. And if I did, I probably didn't even notice it because Mm -hmm. it blends in. So I think wherein we may have a creature such as Bigfoot, who is, a uh, the ultimate apex predator, the ultimate, you know, expert in survival and evasion. It can do some darn amazing things that it, that seem otherworldly, but that are, that could be natural. Um, You know, there can be, they could have things of infrasound and they could have all these other things like other, look at the amazing octopus and other creatures we have that are earth creatures. So I think before we leap too far without proof, sometimes we have to kind of keep it grounded and say, you know, what, what are the possibilities that this is just an amazing creature that we don't quite understand, but we don't have to necessarily you know, go go the distance with the really wild stuff, but hey, if people want to theorize that, it's totally cool, I guess.
0: Sure. <laughs> I understand. What do you think about uh, what I mean, what's your take on on this dogman phenomenon? You know, you know, Bigfoot, we could kind of have an evolutionary track of maybe where these things came from, right? There's something there scientifically that says, yeah, you know, this thing evolved. There's really not anything like that for dogman. And a lot of the encounters people have are for one, they're terrifying. Um, And you know, for two, they they seem supernatural in a way. I mean, do you do you lean one way or the other on it?
2: You know, I'm not sure what to decide yet about that. And I've been learning more about it. In fact, I just attended a a Dogman conference in Tennessee, where I was able to listen to some really, really good presentations and some good witnesses firsthand to kind of get a better idea about about this, you know, of course, you know, I've read Linda Godfrey's books and and read accounts of this. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have the biolog, it doesn't make biological sense. So if these creatures exist, then you would think that uh, it's hard to explain in natural, you know, in natural order. So, um, I don't know, but one thing, one problem I have with this is how trendy the dogman thing has become. It's like, yeah. for years, I didn't get any dogman reports. I knew about some cases, or, you know, Linda was getting some beast of Bray Road. And then it just sort of like snowballed into every time I turn around, somebody's got, oh, a dogman sighting, and here's another one. And here's like, man, sure. have the dog dogs breeded You know, the dog man's breed gone crazy here because...
0: They had a baby boom.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It just almost seems like a trend which smuggies the water because then you can't tell if it's... I don't know. But what I'll say is coming away from a conference where I listened and I learned some stuff, I do feel like that there are legitimate witnesses who have seen something that we can equate with a werewolf looking thing that we we just simply cannot explain right now
0: do you think that it could be related to something more so related to like the gugwe that has that weird dog-like snout and it could be what people are saying is more of a sasquatch instead of a a canine
2: well you know that that's something I've thought about. And I have, I had a witness that reported seeing what she thought was a Sasquatch, but said it had an elongated snout. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking, well, that kind of sounds dog man, but she wasn't familiar with dog man. So she was grabbing it as such. And I thought, well, maybe at the distance it would, it could have had something in its mouth to give it that illusion. But, um, but I know that, you know, when you try to tell a dogman witness that "oh, it was just a," you just saw a sasquatch, and it was right. A, they 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 don't buy that,
0: and yeah,
2: I think we have to yeah. we have to give them that respect that uh, you know they they would know the difference or feel like they do. And if they say they saw a snout and it looked more cated, well, I guess it did, and uh, sure. therein just lies the mystery.
0: I mean that one's an easy kind of an easier one, but you you have experience with something that's kind of not an easier one. I mean, what is the deal with this lizard man situation what i mean ultimately, what's your opinion on something like that because that's really i mean that's way away from you know dog and and ape being confused you know that's just a totally different ball game
2: right yeah that that's even more of a stretch i mean biologically and uh you know, just sort of trying to answer what is it? You know, in my opinion, it's again. I I feel that you know. I, I wrote a book called Lizard Man, which kind of centers around the infamous Bishopville sightings mm-hmm. in the late '80s, um, in which people describe seeing what they called, you know, a, a brownish or greenish, scaly humanoid creature. They call the lizard man, and you know, I feel like that some of those witnesses saw something that was unexplainable, and I also sort of. That well, maybe they saw a Sasquatch that was wet or you know, was covered in algae, or yeah, you know, hadn't you know, had even manged where it's lost its hair, and you know, maybe that kind of made it look reptilian. So, I was trying to rationalize it, I guess, as opposed to you know, this whole reptilian concept that there's a race of underground humanoids that lives in caves and they're reptilian or there's extraterrestrials and but you know all those are possibilities too it just boils down to me that people saw something unexplained and to me was sort of creature from the black lagoon type right which you know is like fascinates me and it's swampy and spooky but at the end of the day i just don't really have a good solid explanation other than Man, there's some weird stuff, and people see weird stuff that that we just not sure. explain. You know.
0: What do you think about uh, What do you think about aliens?
2: I mean, I certainly think that we, we're probably not the only uh, living beings in the universe, and certainly there could be something out there that ha- is more technologically advanced, and it could very well visit our planet. Um. You know, there, there's certainly no question that people have seen unidentified flying objects in the sky, but sure. therein the question is, are those, you know, do they contain extraterrestrial beings? Are they just right. something else? But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly open-minded about the alien thing, just like any anything else that sure. falls under the paranormal, I guess, think it's you know it's one of those things that maybe any day now any minute now you know something's going to happen where we go holy crap you know here's here's the freaking answer right here
0: yeah i think that would be super exciting well you know because i'm sure you get people that ask you questions that aren't about cryptozoology a lot and there is kind of clearly there's a layover between some of these things you know some people call things a cryptid when they don't really fit that demograph mothman is a great example of that it's not really an unidentified animal but it was a being that people saw um you know and i'm of the opinion that it it's not naturally occurring here there's not a mothman nest out there where there's a breeding ground and you know things like that um you know what do you think about like the layover of of the two um do you think it's something that we're just gonna continue to have to deal with in this community
2: yeah, I, I think some of these sort of straddle the line, you know. Certainly, Mothman it, it can be looked at sort of as a cryptid, but it, it falls far more into the you know the, the strange category of
0: sure.
2: some sort of being that we don't understand, whether it's earthly or unearthly, or some phenomenon that defies just simply saying, "Well, it's you know, yeah, there's a nest and they're they're flat around." Right, You know, that just doesn't apply there. And the same thing kind of with Lizard Man and other things is like, well, there could be, you know, a, a small population of these creatures. But then again, it just, the sightings are rare and few and far between. And it just seems so more out there that there almost has to be some other explanation if they do indeed exist. And this is what people have seen. Um, for sure. me, I try not to get too bogged down in that because I really can't answer those questions. Right. All I can do is document the cases and interview the people. In the case of the lizard man, I interviewed the uh, retired sheriff that was involved, very heavily involved in that case, and was able to document all of that before he passed away. Well, he passed away only a few years after I wrote the book, and I spent a week down there hanging out with him. Um, So I feel a lot of times I'm just documenting this and presenting, here's the facts, here's the various theories,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, leave it up to everyone to make their own interpretation or decide until we, you know, have something more concrete, I guess, to evaluate.
0: Okay. Now, and you just, you just announced this Texas Bigfoot book a couple of days ago. Um, You want to talk more about that for a minute?
2: Yes. So yeah, Texas Bigfoot, that's my new book. And, you know, it's kind of been a long time coming because as, you know, a lifelong Texan and having researched Bigfoot here and actually having written a book about a famous Bigfoot in Arkansas, uh, I felt, you know, hey, you know, there really needs to be a Texas Bigfoot book. And, you know, there's so many sightings in Texas and people don't, probably don't realize, but it, it ranks way up there in the, number of reports. And uh, there's just been some amazing stuff. And people also probably don't realize, you know, you think Texas, it's like, oh, ranches and wide open country. But as you go east, it is very heavily wooded. It's called the Piney Woods. And there's even, there's swampy areas in Texas. There's, there's plenty of environment where, uh, you know, these creatures could inhabit just as well as any other parts of the u.s or in the south certainly
0: sure
2: um you know and it's another one where i've been collecting stuff or noting stuff or you know classic cases legends and then modern sightings for the last you know 12 or more years and finally that's just something where i was like okay i've got what i want and i think it's time and i just sat down and the actual writing of this book was faster just simply because i had done the research over a long period of time. So I'm I'm excited about this and I don't think it applies. I mean, yes, it's specific to a case, but I think in some ways the Texas Bigfoot is something that there's so many really cool and amazing and wild stories of of various, you know, classic newspaper articles and supposed Bigfoot bodies and research and exploration all over the state that it's something that anyone who is into bigfoot will enjoy
0: yeah well can you give us a a taste of maybe what's in there maybe um recount a case that people will find in the book or
2: uh yeah you know just i start off with one um that occurred back in the 1960s and it it was in the northern northeast part of texas just south of the red river and red river separates texas from oklahoma And there's a long history of sightings up in there, but back in the 1960s, you know, the the notion that Bigfoot was in Texas was just no one, you know, was thinking about that. And uh, I interviewed a guy who was an avid hunter and he hunted in that area uh, for several years. And and he had been hunting out there and he'd been finding some arrowheads in the creeks. And so, one evening, you know, he kind of just, ah, am i am not going to hunt? I'm just going to walk in these creeks, you know, look for more arrowheads. And so that's what he was doing. And it was just starting to get dark. And he was, you know, walking in this creek, looking down. And he got this feeling that he was being watched. And so, you know, he, he looked up and, you know, maybe 50 yards away, less, he sees this hulking, hairy-looking figure just looking right at him. And as he focused on it, you know, he, he, again, he's not thinking Bigfoot and it didn't really look like an ape. He he described it to me in in terms of it, it it seemed like it was something very ancient. It was something, Hmm. uh, you know, completely unlike anything he would ever seen, obviously. And as the thing just stood there looking at him and it obviously looked powerful and big and was standing upright on two legs and he knew it wasn't a human you know, this this guy just, you know, he got the chills, and then he got the fear, and then he just said he just took off running for his truck, and, you know, headed out of those woods, kind of occasionally looking back to see if this thing had followed him, which fortunately it did not, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, this is one where, you know, it, it sort of was an unexpected encounter in a state that's certainly not known for these things, and as the years would progress you know the stories like this would start being documented and and occasionally made it in newspapers and eventually to the internet and then really kind of not far from there the legend of boggy creek you know kind of made the southern sasquatch famous in the early 70s so um, sure. i felt like it was a it's a cool sighting and it sort of just frame just sort of is a perfect way to start the book somebody encounters something uh you know ancient and and strange and so uh there's many many more like that in the book obviously
0: great and it, it's not out yet is it
2: no it's almost I've, I've got the proof here that i'm approving and uh the re- release date is october but i think i'm it may be released a little bit early so uh, sure hopefully i can get that going there's a big there's a the big Texas Bigfoot Conference that happens every year in October, so I'm definitely was trying to have it ready by then. But I, I should have it. Uh, it may be online here uh, in mid September.
0: Ooh, that would be nice. That that would be nice. Yeah, gonna have to... definitely. Well, and if you guys, you know, um, just are chomping at the bit to buy something from Lyle, he he's got tons of other things you can absolutely buy from him. So. <laughs>
2: that's right. I want to catch up on the, the rest of the reading material before buying the new one, but uh yes, certainly. Uh there's a was... you know, little bit of everything.
0: Sure. Pat O, did you have any questions about anything that <laughs> that I've asked or any of your own questions for that matter?
1: I, I'm ordering the Lizard Man book now because I I never heard that story before, and I love the fact that it takes place in the late 80s okay you know what i mean just because yeah. it's like it's like modern era i don't know it's total like,
0: stranger
2: things i mean you know like yeah. you know they set that in the 80s i'm like dude this this really happened like you know there's no demigorgon but but uh dude there was a creature from the black lagoon in the late 80s in southern in south
1: carolina this is true <laughs> yeah no that's awesome i can't wait to read that story yeah, well buyers
0: it's um, abducted by it and everything it's that doesn't happen but <laughs> it was a good book read it anyway go ahead pat
1: no that's all i got um uh i got another well i got more band questions i guess like who's who's uh do you have any like open for anyone cool or um you know meet anyone on the road or i don't know
2: oh yeah certainly uh my uh my top favorite band is the misfits and we we uh, opened for well, the reform misfits we did some shows with them we were playing in a club once um, where it was upstairs downstairs and they were playing the big stage upstairs that night we were playing the the smaller room and i was singing and we were playing the cover of ghost riders in the sky, which we do in ghoul town. And some people are pointing and looking over and I look over and the bass player of the misfits, Jerry only is up on stage singing, backing vocals with me. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) That was super cool. And you know, we became friends after that. And, uh, you know, I've been a misfits fan since early eighties. And, uh, let's see. My second favorite band is merciful fate. The singer King Diamond. We did a U.S. tour with Merciful Fate back in the 90s, which was awesome because I could watch them every night. Um, we did um, the first major tour I did was with Paul Diano's band called Killers. Paul Diano was the original singer for Iron Maiden, and uh, so that was cool. I just got to hang out with with that guy and quiz him on about. 500. He probably annoyed the hell out of him with all these Iron Maiden history questions. <laughs> I kept asking, but you know, you're like in a topless bar or something. Like, so anyway, <laughs> dude, when you guys recorded the first day, I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to tip this girl. He was, he was super cool, but um, yeah, I mean, just always, just cool stuff like that. Meeting you know, your heroes and playing on stages around it was all very cool
1: i used to um jeff Pizzotti from naked ray gun he had a record label here in chicago and i i worked at it for about a year and him and i would go out to lunch periodically and um i would just be like (laughs) ask him what was steve albini like or you know, on this album, when you, it, I would just sit there and like throw questions at them the whole fucking time. Yeah. And everything that like, as a fan, like listening to like the, the people's records and like the lyrics and and all this stuff, you you just amass like all these questions in your head, and then you're put in the position where you kind of have enough of a friendship, and they, I mean, they, you know, they know you're a fan. You're trying to be a dick about it, but you know, you would just sit there and and ask them just everything that you. Wh- why did you write this song about? Uh, they have a song about like dark knight returns and and what other frank miller comics have you read and you know you were in big black with steve albini and you played bass what was that like what was steve Al- steve albini like blah 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 blah. you know and uh who cares if it gets annoying i mean it's like it's that's not why you do it but you know it, when you're put in that position it's really hard not to go to the dancing thing i know we've actually the misfits have come up like with the past couple guests actually and uh i am a huge huge misfits fan as well as well they were kind of i was a metal i was like i grew up listening to guns and roses and metallica well i grew up listening to the oldies station with my parents and the misfits kind of act as that nice bridge between punk rock and the oldies you know because they are so like melodic and stuff but um i was a big metallica fan and i got in the binge and purge box set and they have a cover of last caress on there and i remember going to school and being like oh last caress like i just heard this awesome metallica song i never heard before and someone like pulled me aside and was like no dude that's that's the misfits and uh totally blew my head open and they were probably the most consistent musical influence of mine throughout my entire life we had a cover band called children in heat misfits cover band for a while and uh i mean just you could play all their songs uh it's fun to try to sing like dancing um i actually had a chance to finally like pay him back a little i was writing for daily grindhouse and they premiered verotica the dancing movie here in chicago and um i just went to it i didn't get like press passes or anything it was part of cinema or i don't know some festival and dancing was there to release it it was one of the only like theatrical screenings that he did and um he screened it and i don't know have you seen it yet veronica uh,
2: i attempted to watch it
1: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i sat through the whole thing because i was in the theater with mr Danzig himself and uh obviously it is what it is but um i i dug it and it felt very uncompromisingly Danzig. and you know it 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 made me happy that he got to make something that literally feels like somebody plugged a cord into his brain and then turned to that into a movie um and when i wrote the review of it for daily grindhouse like i was very complimentary towards it and a lot of people came out of that movie and just shit all over it and like oh this is the horror movie version of the room and this is whatever and it's so bad it's good and all that normal shit and uh i i said no 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 like Veronica is the best horror movie i've seen in the theater all year now granted this was like in march right so there was only three months into the year but uh i said that in the review and they put it in the trailer and on the back of the dvd so i it was i was glad that i got to do that for him you know what i mean um i know he didn't get a lot of positive reviews but that was one of them and i'm glad that they used it in their marketing material and when his next movie came out the the vampire. Uh, writer in the death house or whatever the fuck it was called i i had emailed the production company and tried to get press passes or a set visit or something like that and uh never happened i, I don't know if it was because it was during the covid thing it's because um, they
0: knew you were a liar
1: no I'm a, I'm a pro dancing liar like i'll i'll sit up there and say that this is fucking Gone with the wind with vamp of uh, vampire movies or some shit. I would have come up with something clever for them to put on that poster. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> this guy can... We're not gonna.
1: <laughs> no, this guy really likes dancing. Like this guy, like is still a fifth because dancing's still like a fifteen-year-old in heart. Like he's still into monster movies and chicks with big, big tits and blood. Like you watch no, Veronica. We That's well, b- believe it or not, Ashers. No, we are part of a very select community of people that have refused to grow up. And still, our are, our are, are goofy little teenagers at heart.
0: That's what I was saying, aren't we all?
1: Yeah, no, it's not all of us. It's just it's all of us, but it's not all of like everybody. I gotcha. Okay. But dancing is definitely the king of that. I feel, you know. Sure. And uh, yeah, I dig new misfits. That's cool. Um,
2: yeah, I never. You know, I, I liked them. I didn't like them, obviously as much as the dancing era, and you know, I didn't. I didn't see the original. Misfits. I remember when they played Dallas right? I, couldn't. it was like on a school night you know and I couldn't I couldn't drive and I couldn't get out but I remember my friends went and there was like 20 people there but I did see Sam Hain in yeah. 84 and got to talk to Glenn for like 30 minutes before the show because I showed up early and I just sat there and he and I talked for like 30 minutes which was cool. I mean I was a little kid
1: uh, and he but, was cool with uh, you? Because he's kind of got that rep where sometimes he can be a, a, a jag off, but yeah, he he's super I, cool. Yeah, I would think he'd be cool. My my uh, ex,
2: ex-wife
1: dated him shortly after me, so. Uh, whoa! Uh, <laughs> that is insane. I mean, you can't even get angry about that. I mean, I guess there's only one way to follow up Lyle Blackburn, and that's fucking Glenn dancing Like, dude, that's pretty <laughs> fucking awesome. Right. Well maybe no, it that, wasn't. That's maybe it, was. it wasn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah it
2: was, I don't care. It was kind of funny really, but uh yeah, you know, it was kinda of random. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's totally true.
1: Man. Chicks well, will do down that down? though. Chicks' Chicks will, will track down your fucking boyhood idol. And, uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's such a, I'm sorry. I don't know any of these people, but I'm just saying like, that's such a, I have exes that would do that for sure.
0: I mean, that's true.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 100%. You know?
0: (laughs) Well, before I forget, I've been dying to ask this question. Will you, will you tell the story about the Mothman rave, please?
2: (laughs) The Mothman rave. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the first that's the first time I went to the Mothman festival and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and, you know, I was familiar with the, with the Mothman story, but, you know, I haven't been to Point Pleasant yet, you know, and here's the festival and, and I've been to Bigfoot conferences and stuff. So, you know, which are more subdued and more, you know, uh, academic, I guess in a way. And so, so I get to the Mothman, you know, and it's, it's more of a street party, really. And so I didn't know what to expect. And uh, the night before the actual street festival, so this is Friday night, you know, they're going to have a, they're having some kind of like a, a thing at the State Theater, a Mothman rave, which I'm like, what is that? You know, <laughs> I mean, I've been <laughs> to a lot of weird stuff in my life. And then uh, I don't know if there was like a Miss Mothman contest or something but there was you know there was i remember girls dressed up as moth moth ladies and such and then you know in the state theater where there's incidentally no air conditioning yeah <laughs> which adds to just the whole just <laughs> i don't know atmosphere and uh yeah then suddenly uh, i remember was with eerie eric the artist yeah yeah they just totally plunged into this the lights and the whole thing and mothman brave and it was it was so so surreal it was almost like the that movie veronica was like uh the dancing movie or something it was just so unexpectedly bizarre uh to be in a at a mothman rave but that's when i realized mothman is of a of a different caliber of another level of of Creature, cryptid entity, and its festival is also very bizarre and strange and unexplainable, just like this rave that I'm sitting in in this hot, humid theater in in a (laughs) small town in Ohio. I mean, in in, uh, West Virginia on the edge of the Ohio River. So, yeah, it it was memorable, and that that kicked off my whole, uh, you know, uh, guest appearance at the mothman festival which i've been to several since you know and i'm, looking I'm very sad uh,
0: yeah i'll I'll be there so i'll, I'll meet you there finally um I, it was just bound to happen we're gonna cross paths one of these days so i'll, I'll definitely be there but i'm sad that there's not gonna be a mothman rave um,
1: well there's enough time to plan your own that's true you, know, you should
2: because i think it, that that's just something that's lacking and once they once you have a mothman rave you got to continue that that's got to be every year
0: i agree yeah i mean i just i was so disappointed to hear that this was a thing that i was not a part of i was like well, they also said that uh because it was it was eric and carrie that were telling me that story they also said craig woolheater was there with you guys
2: yes craig was up there I, yeah i believe that was the year craig was there so yeah he <laughs> craig is my cohort and just we, we have such a big sense of humor about all this stuff and it's just everything is just sure. fun so yeah that anytime there's something that goes off the rails like that that gives us uh comedic fodder for years you know <laughs> <A Mothman laughs> rave and it, it was it was some fun times
0: <laughs> i love that i just wanted people to know that there was a mothman rave at some point that was really it and that there was somebody that witnessed it and part partook so
2: <laughs> yes it is true it was i was there it is a true
0: story <laughs>
1: I appreciate that.
0: Pato, did you have more music questions?
1: I'm not even going to try to follow that up. That was that was that's good. That's <laughs> icing on the cake. Yeah. We
0: might curate a rave. We got time, you're right. We still got we we have We a, could do a Frogman rave. We could do a we could do a Frogman rave. We might do a Frogman rave.
1: Yes, and you're um, close enough to location scout abandoned warehouses and yeah. uh I will most certainly DJ. We'll
0: have it right well, there. What are we'll the DJs? There. I'm sure one of those places right there where the where the sighting took place is abandoned we'll figure it out
1: yeah.
0: um we'll just have it right there in the street right there at that park um
1: <laughs> Show up again.
0: And, yeah in front of everybody um okay well lyle where can everybody find you at um what what's good what's good contact for you or a good place to buy your things
2: well you can find out all about me at lyleblackburn.com and uh My books are available on Amazon. And if you would like to see some of the Small Town Monsters movies that I'm associated with, those are available on Amazon Prime. You can search Lyle Blackburn, and those will come up. Um, And I have an online store if you would like autographed copies of books and such, and Boggy Creek exclusive merch. Uh, The link is on my webpage at lyleblackburn.com. And of course, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else that's uh, necessary these days. So yeah, look me up, follow me. And uh, if you're at the Mothman Festival coming up or other festivals, I look forward to meeting people in person. Just come up to my table and we can uh, talk cryptids and music and anything else.
0: And uh, check out Lyle's podcast, Monstro Bizarro. That's been a new, we didn't even talk about that at all during this whole.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, yeah, I've got a podcast. I forget. I haven't been plugging that because I haven't done many interviews. lately. But Yes. Monstro Bizarro. It's a monthly podcast. Uh, so yeah, check that out. And all, all that info is on my website as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Lyle. This was awesome. Awesome. Uh, Long time coming, so, uh, and, uh, you know, and then I'll see you at the Mothman Festival, but everybody else, I'll see you guys back here next Wednesday.